The Leopard Spots, Matt's Tuesday Tips. Yeah, we needed a change of pace. The big cat joins us. How are you, mate? It feels like it's been forever. Yeah, Coves, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Last week was New Zealand Cup week. The week before was Melbourne Cup day. Um, The week before that, I wasn't on. So it's probably been about a month, I think. Yeah, it's been too long, mate. Uh, all's all's well with the fan bam and all that, and you had a good yeah, you had a good Melbourne yeah. Cup period. Yeah, yeah, it was all good. It's good now that um, spring carnival's over, footy season is over. It's, so this period now is is more just focusing on trots through the summer period, and I, I can sort of get a bit more time to focus on that and a bit more time to spend with the family. But that um, that September October period when you got footy finals and then <laughs> yeah. spring carnival, it's all pretty hectic. Uh, to be honest, uh, hopefully next year you don't have any finals to worry about, but that's 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 different. That's just because I don't like Colin. Oh, we're, oh, we're going four in a row. <laughs> four in a row? Yeah. You're going to win the next four fly, uh, next three flags, you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Good luck with that. <laughs> it's pretty – it's not that easy, I don't think. Because you, you smashed them in the prelim by a point, and so it is wonderful how even that competition is the AFL. They've done a wonderful job with that. Yeah, I mean the great thing about AFL when you compare it to something like English Premier League soccer is that yeah. there's, there's measures in place to equalise the competition so that yeah. any time over a ten year period your team should be somewhere near the top at some stage during that ten year period because of the the draft system and also salary caps. Um, which you look at English soccer and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So um, you know the teams down the bottom they're fighting for survival. They're not fighting for a premiership. But that's the great thing about AFL, I think. It certainly is. Now, let's get some tips underway, and we might chat Breeders' Crown towards the end if we can. Uh, Menangle, you're kicking off, mate. Uh, we've had some tips from Darren Carroll for Mildura, so she can be pretty tough at Mildura, but you got a bit around at Menangle at Albion and Gloucester. Yeah, it's a, it's a toughish sort of day around the country today, but I've had a few bets. Um, those that know me well would know I'm not a huge fan of Mildura, so... I'll uh, I'll leave the tipping there to to Daz and I'll I'll go to Menangle. So the first one there is race four, I believe. Race two. Um, I thought you said. Oh, race sorry, two. race two. Yes, you're right. Race two. Yes, I've someone. Um, so in race two, um, I've back Red Harbour here. This is a horse for Robbie Morris and Elizabeth Heath. So it's got loads of ability, but it doesn't mind a gallop. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the reason that they put up 4.20... Like, put it this way, if you knew it was going to trot, um, there's only four horses off the front mark here of the, of the stand start, and if you knew it was going to trot, it would probably trot straight to the front and win for fun. And if you knew it was going to trot, it would probably be a two fifty pop. But they bet 4.20 at the start of the day. It's into 3.10 now. So I think the more or less we're getting that... Pro- we were getting that opening price because of its behaviour. So... Mm. When it first came across in New Zealand earlier in the year, it started with the Blaze of Glory. It won from a mobile, then it galloped, and then it won from a stand in a similar race to this, where it led and broke two minutes from a stand and won by a space. Since then, um, it hasn't trotted all the way too often, but um, it, it actually went up to Queensland during the winter. Uh, it's back in Sydney now. Its recent trial was pretty good. Over the mile, 156.6, only beaten six metres showing that it's not too far off the mark. And I think the other three horses off the front mark here would be happy to hand to it. So mm. it all comes down to whether it just trots away at the start and it should be able to work to the front. And if it does, um, I think once it's out in front trotting along, it should be fine and should keep trotting. It's just a matter of getting there in the first place and doing things right at the start. Um, so 
yeah, hard in mouth stuff early, but if it does everything right and we're in front with a lap to go and trotting smoothly, then I think it'd be very, very hard to beat. So that's race two, number four, Red Harbour for Robbie Morris. Brett Carroll hates it when I say this. Back at the wing, lay at the place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it is that type of thing. It's either going to trot and, trot and win or, or it's just going to make a mess of it. And it's the sort of horse that once it gets galloping, it doesn't get down quickly like some horses do. Once it gallops, it just gallops right out of the race. Uh, race four. This is interesting. It, Libby Lou two dollars. Lava Reiches two dollars fifty. Yeah, so there's a couple of good two-year-old races there today. They're heats of the Breeders' Challenge, which is the equivalent of um, what well, the Breeders, Breeders' Challenge Regional Series. So um, it's the equivalent of like a, a Division Two of the Vic Bread, yeah, homegrown Vic Bread type series. Um, it's the final's only worth uh, thirty or forty, I think. Mm. Um, and to be eligible, you can't have won or been placed, I think, in the final of the the big Group 1 uh, Breeders' Challenge, which was run last month. So in the Phillies division here, um, I'm pretty keen on Libby Lou. I think she's a really nice horse. Um, she ran well in, in the final there behind Lux at Turner in 149. The danger is probably Loveretius. Um, the Victorians have seen her when she came down here. I reckon she's probably the leader today, but she doesn't seem to go any good in front. She's a much better follower. And because of the way the draws are panned out, I think she's probably going to be left in front today with Libby Lou sitting right on her back. And Libby Lou is a dynamic sit sprinter. So I just thought if that's the way the map panned out with four in front, one behind it, Libby Lou probably has too much speed and can go past it. They bet 250 this morning. It's in the $2 now. And I think it's the one that should be the favourite. I had a love Arishas. So that's race four, number one, Libby Lou, hopefully from leaders back. Albion Park, race three is your first, and I'm tipping it's not Lancelot Bromac. No, no, the old boy's, um, <laughs> geez, old. He, he comes out in reverse these days. He's got no <laughs> gate speed whatsoever. Um, he's 13 years old. He's had 526 starts, and um, he's, he's only a 32 rater, but he's made $395,000. Yeah. Uh, and he's a he's an icon up there at, at Albion Park. But... Today, I think Fly Chevelle from Barrier 1, I think she might end up handing up, and, and the horse that she might hand up to is Rancho Man, number six for Talia McMullen. So I just thought mm. each way at the price, uh, it's been $7 into $5. I thought if Talia rolls to the top here on Rancho Man, it's an each way bet to nothing. Um, the reason Fly Chevelle might hand here is because its main danger, Blackjack Beth, is inside back row, and therefore it's going to get the gun run if Fly Chevelle yeah, holds yeah. the front. So Danielle Vivas has the chance to... Um, to show some, now some tactical here and hand up and bury the danger three pegs and fly Chevelle. It could still win from leaders back, but I think if it hands to Rancho, man, Rancho is very, very hard to run down. So at around the five to five fifty mark each way, if it finds the front, it'll it'll give a really good sight. So that's race three, number six, Rancho, man, for Talia McMullen. Yeah, I like it. Race five at LB. Yeah, race five. Uh, it's a pretty even race. Um, yeah. It's for the 41 to 47 Raiders over the middle trip, the 2138. And I'm with number 10, Achilles, for Pete McMullen. This is a horse that um, it got caught in the breeze last week in 154, and that's not really its go. Um, it's the sort of horse that goes better with cover, and it'll get cover today. And from the back row, hopefully over the longer trip, it can get the card into the race on the last lap. There's a bit of speed off the front here. Um, I'm unsure who the leader is, but number three, Fantasy Blaster, does get out quick. The Irishman will probably push forward. Major Mondo will probably push forward. So I think the tempo will be genuine. Um, in an ideal world, I'd love to see Pete 
get a cart home with Achilles. I don't want him to be the one leading the three wide line, but if the tempo's on, Achilles could be the one sweeping late. So it was 5.50 into about 3.23.30 now, and it's the one that I think is the one to beat. So race five, number 10, Achilles for Pete McMillan. If he doesn't win, we might find his weakness. And race race nine, you know he always tips something in these veterans' races, I suppose. It's such exposed form for you. Yeah. Um, so as I've said on, on here before, these, these veterans' races for the 70 to 99 races, it's the horses seven years and older. So they're kind of like glorified claimers, but they're actually quite strong races because a lot of these horses, if they're racing in metro races on Saturdays, they'd be, you know, they'd still be very competitive in right up into the grade, just below free for all level. And and the favourite here, Rock Bottom, has actually ran in some free for alls recently and, mm. and acquitted himself well. And he's the one that I'm with today, Rock Bottom for Shane Graham. I think it's the class horse. It's got gate speed. The concern is that he tried launching it last week in in a veterans race. It was drawn the outside uh, over the middle trip instead of the mile like today, and he launched it in the gallop to start. So. That's the first time I've seen it do that. Normally, it's very tractable, has very good gate speed. And if he did launch it today, I think everything inside would probably let it roll to the top. There's a lot of sit sprinters drawn on this front row, and Rock Bottom is the one that may roll to the top if he does pace at the start. So we're more or less uh, hoping that we can forget about the gallop last week, and hopefully Shane just... uh, drives aggressively at the start because if the lead's there and he finds the front, then on the way he's performed generally when he finds the front in these veterans' races, I'm not sure if they can run him down if he leads. So that's race nine, number seven, rock bottom for Shane Graham. Be interesting to know if he'd stretched his hopples or something and didn't fill them or whether they hopple shorteners didn't work or something like that, you know, to make yeah, keep him in his gate at the start. It was very out of character for that horse. He's normally yeah. very reliable, doesn't gallop, does everything right. And then he just galloped out of nowhere last week. So I'm not sure why, but hopefully it doesn't happen today. Yeah, obviously nothing major, although you wouldn't be back into it again. Gloucester Park, uh, you're at sixes and sevens with the races at Gloucester Park. Yeah, um, so Gloucester Park, uh, if we go to race six, um, this is a race of the three-year-old fillies, uh, the low-grade three-year-old fillies, and... Due to the draw, I think Quattro's becomes the one to beat here for Dylan Edgett and Green. It draws five, but its main dangers, number six and seven, Seagrass and Jackie Daniels, are drawn to its outside. And I don't think they will launch at the start to try and get across it. Everything inside Quattro's, I think, is likely to, to hand up if Dylan gets aggressive and pushes forward at the start. So... Um, it's already been well backed. They they did bet $5. It's into three ten now, but I thought uh, I'm a bit surprised Seagrass came up as short as it did, given that it draws outside Quattro's and it's first up from a freshen up. And, and Jackie Daniels draws even wider, which makes it hard. So I just thought if, if Dylan pushes forward at the start and finds the front, uh, becomes the one to beat. It's only won one from 21, so it's a bit of a non-winner. But a lot of these fillies are, are non-winners. Um, you know, that they, they get beaten mm. when they should be winning a lot of the time. So happy to find out at the price. Quattro's hopefully can push forward, find the front. And uh, around Gloucester Park, that's the best place to be, as we always say on this program. So that's race six, number five, Quattro's. Yeah, and they're pretty desperate to get there sometimes too, aren't they? <laughs> in, in big races. Yeah, <laughs> in the big races, it's, um, I mean, like, you obviously spoke to Gary Hall Sr. I had to listen to that uh, the podcast of that interview here uh, last week. Yeah. But that's, that's an example of, in, in the big races over there, when the big money's 
up for off. The, that first 400 is just absolutely hectic sometimes. And we saw that in the WA Cup, but you'll probably see it again in a few weeks when they run the Golden Nugget for the four-year-olds, which uh, my ultimate Ronnie's gone over for from New South Wales. And in the, and, the, and the derbies are always the same as well. The, the first 400 around Gloucester Park, when they're racing for a few hundred thousand, it's just hectic. It certainly is. And uh, he, he, it was a wonderful get to have Gary out come on actually he spoke so well one more mate and we'll get to a break then have a chat the other side race seven at Gloucester yeah, Park ra- yeah race seven I'm with Pastor Tedesco here now this is a horse that it's going to be a tough watch it's, it's going to be a really ugly watch because this horse is just so one paced but <laughs> okay. he's very very strong and he's got the right driver Gary Hall Jr on board so Gary just needs to drive this horse like he hates him and just put the handlebars down at the start, hopefully can roll to the top, and then just keep putting one on his ass every 50 metres and just keep him running because he switches off, he's lazy. He's almost better sitting in the breeze because then he'll concentrate better with a horse inside him. But I just thought if he either leads or even breezes and Gary can tactically nail the race by just putting the foot down all the way, then I think he's got class on the rest of them, as we saw with his most recent win where... Gary found the front horse switched off and he actually got crossed for speed um, after 400. But then he came back off the fence and was driven tough and was too strong. Um, so hopefully Gary can get really aggressive and if he just gets it up on speed, either leading or breezing, I think he'll be too good again. So that's race seven, number eight, Pasta Tedesco for Gary Hall Jr. Yeah, and I think Senior described Junior pretty similar to how you described that horse then, that uh, he needs one on his backside every 50 metres. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get a breakaway. We'll have a chat the other side. We only have about four minutes. We'll have a chat the other side, mate. Welcome back. I'm with Matt Lapar, the big cat. Now, Matty, I think everyone's talking about how the Breeders' Crown should be going forward and it's just not what it was. And I have no doubt it's under pretty uh, pretty uh, strong review and under the microscope at HRV. Yeah, I think since they stopped running those those New Zealand heats and the interstate heats, um, it's just become more like a glorified uh, Vic Bread series version 2.0. Hmm. Um, if you look back to sort of 10 years ago, we had Purden bringing teams over. We had Dixon bringing Queensland horses down. We even had some WA horses coming across. Whereas this year, we've just got those two pacing fillies, uh, Millwood Bliss and Luxa Turner, and then three young trotters down from Sydney. Uh, actually, two from Sydney, one from Queensland, not as as promised. Um, so hopefully they can sort of, HRV can sort of have a look and, and give it an overhaul and work out how they can get more interstate involvement because that was what made it so great in the past. But in saying that, we've still got, um, we're still got 11 winners to find and I'm looking forward to getting out there Saturday night. I'm taking my wife out there for the first time. She'll have been at Melton since 2018, the night that Lazarus won the Hunter Cup, I think was the last time I've managed to get her out there. So looking forward to yeah, okay. taking her along and, and showing her some, some good harness racing. Yeah, uh, the other one, Zena Rainbow, of course, in the in the Phillies. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. great to have Pete down. I don't think anyone disagrees, mate, and my thoughts on it have been well publicised that uh, the top three from the Vic Bread, the top three from the New South Wales Breeders' Challenge, the top couple from the Queensland uh, Breeders all go into the field a couple of weeks after, We, but there's a bit of work to be done around that. Is I think the highlight race to me, and you may tell me otherwise, is the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. We just... We just don't know where Storm Rider lines up against Nathan Street, against Timmy Richter, and even, I, even Kingman. I actually disagree. I think the highlight's the two-year-old fillies. Yeah, okay, um, go. I think there's four superstars in that, and I think the 
I think the the it, it reminds me of the crop the ladies in red tough chili treachery um, Joanne crop. Yeah, yeah. A Joanna. Um, I think this is the best two-year-old Phillies crop we've seen in the last decade, apart from that year. Um, very pretty, broad dream. Millwood Bliss and Lux Turner are all absolute megastars, but they all bump into each other in the same race. And I, I think if any of them were in the Colts division, they would all be ca- they would be capable of winning the Colts as well. And the only time I've ever thought about that to myself was that late ladies uh, that ladies in red year. So uh, Emma's two horses, very pretty, and draw a dream of drawn two and three. So they get the advantage over Millwood Bliss and Lux Turner, who are six and ten, respectively. So, um, yeah, the visitors got the visitors' draw. But um, there's four, as I said, absolute superstars, and I'm looking forward to that race. But that two-year-old Colton Geldings is, is a good race. It's probably more even. And, and yeah. the way the draws panned out, there's probably about five horses in that that could win without surprising. Um I think it's a bit thinner in that, particularly the three-year-old Colts. Uh, you've got Oliver Dan, perfect class, and then and then it sort of really drops away. Doug's Platter was poor in the semi-final, so mm. without the likes of Petrarca and the Lost Storm there, that three-year-old boys division is really weakened. And the draw has sort of set up a good race in the three-year-old fillies as well. You've got Joyful, Sweet mm. Bella, and Major Delight all drawing front row, and they'll all be driven up on speed. And it wouldn't surprise me if any of those three won. So that should be a great race. That two-year-old Phillies is just missing renewal. I'm not sure if uh, she's just out for a spell. She went up for the Breeders' Challenge, I reckon, and ran second to Luxa Turner. And uh, if she was in it, it certainly – I think she's not far off. Very pretty and draw a dream anyway. Mate, uh, always great to catch up with you. I'll see you on Saturday night. Thanks, Tobes. I'll be there. Catch you then.